mystery, it means to something that was hidden in the Old Testament and will be revealed in Jesus. And so he tells some parables to try to explain what the mystery of the kingdom is. Now, uh, to kind of get into this, let's just step back for a moment and consider an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Daniel. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this vision of this great figure with a head of gold, a chest of silver, thigh of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. And then this enormous stone crushes the figure and fills the whole earth. And we read the interpretation of the vision in verse 44 of chapter 2. The great stone is the kingdom of God. And in those days, God will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. So this is how the Old Testament thinks about the coming of the kingdom of God. It's going to be this massive sweeping event. It's going to be big and loud and hard and fast and it's going to come upon people and everyone will We'll know it when it happens. Well, Jesus appears on the scene and says, okay, there's a secret that I want to share with you about this kingdom. It is going to come like that one day, but it's going to come in two stages. And the way it's coming now is quiet and slow and hidden And people will often not even know it's there. And then he tells all these uh, parables to illustrate the nature of the mystery of the kingdom. We're just going to look at the two that Julie read tonight. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown It's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard plant. Very, very tiny seed. You can hardly see it. But over time it grows into a large tree and then birds come and find rest and hospitality in its branches. And that's what the kingdom of God is like, he says. It's, it's often so small that you can't even see it, but over time it grows into this great tree. And in the Hebrew scriptures, a great tree is a picture of the just and hospitable kingdom of God. He says, you might not see it, but a great tree is growing even while we speak. The second parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Well, Jesus had seen his mother Mary break, bake bread, and he'd seen her do this. Leaven is a little piece of fermented dough left over from previous baking. Unleavened bread is like a hard, dry biscuit. Leaven slowly transforms dough, causing it to rise and become soft and tasty. And so this is a perfect illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. It's hidden. You barely know it's 
there, but it leavens everything around it until eventually it influences the whole. So Jesus' point is clear. This is the mystery of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom is often hard to see, but eventually has great impact. This is the mystery of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom is hard to see, but eventually has great impact. So I'd like to kind of turn to application now in, uh, in families. As we've said online, next week we'll have the, whole, the Godly Play Children's Ministry back. And again, children, you've just been so wonderful this season, so patient, just so proud of you. In families, you get an extra crown in heaven, too. It's been very good. So what does this kingdom principle say to us? Well, first, small is big in the kingdom of God. I've been listening recently to a podcast series about a church that exploded with numerical growth that was unheard of. And then it collapsed almost immediately when its charismatic leader left. And I'm not usually a podcast binger, um, but I have binged this one and even listened to some several times. And the podcast is not so much a critique of one church as a very thoughtful and painful examination of the past 25 years of evangelicalism in North America. And one of the most wrenching interviews is with the church's original media person. And he was a tech genius. And he helped post the pastor's powerful sermons online before anybody knew how to do that. And uh, he, he, said, he said that eventually 50,000 people a week were downloading them. And they had 90 people paid on their media staff team. But he says he no longer identifies as a Christian. And his pain and hurt is thinly veiled in the interview. And he, he said that his church became so caught up in getting bigger and faster than anybody else that nobody noticed how many broken bodies were lying crumpled under the machine of the church. And nobody noticed that the pastor's teaching had taken a dark turn. And everything was rationalized in the name of fast growth. And the podcast carefully analyzes the role of celebrity in our churches and says, why are we so easily seduced by the cult of personality? Why are we so attracted to the big and the fast and the loud when Jesus teaches the little way of the kingdom? And as I've listened to this, I remembered a flood of church growth resources arriving in my email inbox during the beginning of the pandemic. And promising to show me how that, that we could go digital and double our membership in two weeks uh, for a monthly subscription of 1999. And, and I just remember, I, mean, I think there were numerous ones. And I just remember feeling growth is good and I would love to figure out how to share the gospel with more people, but something is wrong here. We're having trouble caring for the people we got. We can't care for 300 more people in two weeks. And Matt, Pastor Matt, has been a particularly wise and grounding voice. And he just kept calling us back to the small, ancient, unsexy, barely noticeable practices 
that have gotten the church through 2,000 years of hard times. For example, he started morning and evening prayer, and now he still continues in morning prayer. Small is big in the kingdom of God. Big is good too, and, and I bet you knowing some of you, you're in here and you're thinking, we can do this and we can do that, and I can see this. That's all good, but for now, let's not start new things. Let's make sure we're doing small things well. 22 people are taking pilgrimage. They're exploring becoming a part of our church. I've been praying for 25. Maybe three more of you will want to do it tonight. And let's be that great tree welcoming them in. A young friend shared with me this week that COVID has left her feeling disconnected and disoriented. And many of us feel this way. Let's reconnect. Let's make sure every member of our church experiences intimate community by regularly meeting with a small group or a spiritual triad, direction triad. Another friend shared that he was deconstructing his faith and he wasn't sure how to rebuild it. Let's Let's make sure there are spaces here where people can bring their most difficult questions about God and life and explore them patiently and faithfully. Let's revisit and embrace the classic spiritual disciplines. Let's make sure that, that we're practicing them. Prayer, study, generosity, fellowship, confession, fasting, Sabbath, so that we can abide in Christ and then go to serve. Let's make sure we know the gospel story and how to share it well. Let's turn our gaze again to the shalom gaps in our city and begin praying about how we might seek her peace. Let's gather for worship and spirit and truth. Let's recapture God's vision for our work. Let's kind of recapture the beauty of the arts as an expression of God's redemptive work. Let's practice Sabbath. And when we're faithful in these small things of the kingdom of God, the great tree will naturally grow and extend blessing to all the living beings around us. Second application of of this kingdom principle that the work of the kingdom is often hard to see but eventually has a great impact. Frustration with the church today should not rob us of hope tomorrow. It's easy to be frustrated with the church. I've shared that. If you know anything about church history, there's never been a time when the church has not been frustrating. When you're part of a church even a church you love, the great work of the kingdom of God can be hard to see sometimes. Sometimes it's clouded over by frustrations and disappointments and fatigue and conflict. But, but Jesus says a great tree is growing even in the midst of all that. You know, COVID has, has really been hard for many of us. I've, I've found it very discouraging at times. It's been hard to know how to balance our need to be safe with our need to gather. It's been hard to know what to say or not to say about racial justice or political tension. 
People I love dearly have left our church. There's been more conflict than normal. Preach into, into a camera in Matt's backyard on a freezing February night was not what I signed up for. It's not always been easy to see the kingdom of God during COVID. But yesterday afternoon, I was praying on my porch and I was thinking about tonight and meditating on these parables and I just felt some of the COVID heaviness lift. And God reminded me that that the kingdom of God is always at work, even when we can't see it. And for just a moment, he pulled back the veil and just gave me a glimpse of some of the ways the kingdom of God, even in this hard time, has been growing. He reminded me of the Friday Guys Bible study. It's open to all of us, which switched to Zoom which I thought would be terrible. It's been the best thing that's happened. We've gotten so much closer because now no one has an excuse not to make it. (laughs) And he reminded me the incredible acts of generosity and money and in time that built this great tree that we're finding shelter in tonight. And he, he reminded me of the team of men and women who gathered for several months this winter to head up a fundraising campaign Working with that team was one of the most rewarding leadership experiences of my entire life. And he reminded me of a 90-year-old friend I've made this year who called me up about nine months ago and said, I want to know God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And I want to be baptized. And I was reminded of times at our dining room table with our Bibles open talking about the gospel. And he reminded me of a painting of Pentecost one of our artists gave me and another one that one of our children gave the church that I stole from my office and how I've looked at them often and remembered the power of the Holy Spirit. And he reminded me of the new friends and new faces he brought into our fold for such a time as this. And yesterday, as we picked up trash and filled hot tubs for baptisms and pressure washed and prayer walked, he reminded me that after all of this, we are still here. He's always been here and he's powerfully been at work, even though we've not always been able to see it. Life in the church can be frustrating, but remember, a great tree is always growing. Well, the last application tonight of this wonderful principle that the work of the kingdom is often hard to see, but eventually has great impact is this. Kingdom work is slow work. Kingdom work is slow work. Seeds take time to grow. Bread takes time to rise. Jesus' audience thought the kingdom would come fast, and then he unveils a mystery. The kingdom will come slowly. And at All Souls, we like to talk about ourselves as a slow church. And we say we like to practice slow church. And it comes from this principle that kingdom work is slow work. The writer Eugene Peterson perhaps understood this more than most. And he once described the Christian journey as a long obedience in the same direction. This is the little way of the kingdom, the way of seed and leaven. 
So let's commit to practicing slow church as we begin this chapter together. We don't need to be in a hurry. It takes time for great trees to grow. And we have time. We have time to slowly begin life together in this building and figure out how to run it. We have time to listen to our neighborhood and learn her dreams and wounds and story. We have time to repair and reconnect relationally. We have time to pray and discern where the Father is already at work. And we have time to say, I am sorry, and I forgive you, and I do, and I love you, and even goodbye. And we have time to say nothing at all. We have time to rest and be and wait and watch. And whenever we feel hurried or rushed or pressured, like we have to make this happen, we have to make this decision, we have to do this now or else, let's practice slow church and step back and ask, why do we feel so rushed to do this right now? What would happen if we waited till tomorrow? And we can do this because kingdom work is slow work. Now Jesus also says that the way that we enter the kingdom of God is through repentance and baptism. And I cannot think of a better way to begin a new chapter in our life together and our birthday party, which quickly follows, uh, than with a baptism. 